night rings through. I guess let's just put our hands together and come on up here, Rebel. Yes. Unlocking a door. The locked door remains shut. The doorknob seems polished from years of accumulating dust. What is behind the door? No, what is behind this door? I reach my hand up to the top of the door frame. I feel along the wood. I scrape along with my fingers. An errant sound falls through the air and clinks to the floor. I look at my fingers. They are stained with a grimy substance like paint mixed with mold. A few of my fingers have splinters barely lost under the first layer of skin. They don't really hurt. They are just scratching the surface. But they are annoying. I look on the floor. The clink was a key. I pick up the key and look at it. It's not like those old keys with two-bit fang two fangs to engage the tumblers. This key has a mouthful of shark teeth. I decide to check to see if the key fits into the door in front of me, but then I decide to knock first. The space inside is filled with echoes. The echoes sound human, but there is no answer at the door. I take the key and slowly push it into the lock. The lock is reticent to accept the key from years of unuse. I push a little harder, and the key breaks through the rust. I leave the key alone and stare at it for a minute. I wonder who left this key behind for me to find. This metal key protrudes from the lock like a broken bone protruding through skin. Deep it touches the hidden pins like an ice pick embedded in a skull. I take hold of the key to turn it. The lock and key feel stiff and painful. The paint on the door begins peeling. The air is hot and cold and full of worry. I jiggle the key, attempting to loosen the lock. It starts weakening. The door looks like the back of a priest after flagellation, and then out rings a pop. The key turns counterclockwise. And now I am afraid that what might be locked inside was meant to stay inside. Pandora's box itself surely too held a few locked doors. The only choice now is to open the door or leave it alone and unlocked, still hiding what is hidden. I reach down and grasp the doorknob. It feels like an iron poker taken directly from a fire. I embrace the heat, the pain, the deep yearning pleasure of being open and exposed like you are a kitten's eyes when they first open, and you, your mind sees it has a place in this world to breathe and to be. Through it all, I turn the knob. The door loosens into a weightless fabric. I push the fabric veil away. Like it is a blindfold, I look inside, and inside I see that it is an empty room full of smoke and mirrors. Some of the mirrors are pristine and clear, some have a crack here and there, and some have but shattered, littering the floor with broken faces. And then I see, across the room, 
on the opposite side, there's another door, like the one before. And now the person with number one on their card, would you please come up here and undo the strap behind me? essentially what's going to happen. There will be eight poems that I will recite, and each one will be uh, a number. So number two, you're up next. Number three follows that. And each one of you will go down and remove one of these. The concept seems simple, but I hope the metaphor and the visual is more unique and powerful or whatever. So this next one I'm going to read... It's called, And Write Silence Into Words. This closer. Okay. As I lie on the couch, I hear the pitter-patter of night terrors and the TV droning in the background. It is like a nightlight. The computer screen is alive and empty, the world at my fingertips, but I choose the world I create. It is like a nightlight. Because I am afraid of the stillness, I am afraid of the silence that cannot calm but rages like meteors in space, like the constant questions of what will come streaming from beyond my eyelids that moan and drone till I strangle them with nightlights. T'would be such tender sorrow if I was promised such tomorrows that bled when cut with my third eye's sword and brought joys despite my muted words, despite the predilection for prophesied words, despite the predilection for prophesied words, the desire to know what is to come true. But to this ruse my nightlights are too few for the pitter-patter of nightly terrors make rise my mind in night and morn, make rise my mind into chilling fantasies, where I desire the power that were to I embody the ideal and have all come to want me, I could then reject them all and teach society of the pain of imagined ideals. Saturday is the fog that hides a revolving world, but the darkened ceiling is a reminder that time does not remain still. Would it be better to bound playfully through the shadows, giving little thought to the night lights? Or is it better that I be more than I am and write silence into words and write silence into words? My hands run through my hair like an overactive imagination running terror-stricken through the woods. Rocking back and forth is a little consequence in the shadow of the cradle rocking to the grave. But often I just don't know what to live for anymore, and the smile on the clock's face is making me more and more furious. If only I could mute the clock... Taking the batteries out does not keep it from talking. Its motionless arms still yell at me. I represent the passing hours, the future that you cannot know, and only in foolishness can you have a predilection for prophecy. For prophecy is foolishness, and desire for it is blinding. So you make yourself a foolish blind man, and I in the ceiling laugh at you. 
This pen bleeds me like an 18th century cure. In hope of draining my soul of sickness, I have drained both sickness and soul so that my eyelids want just to close their doors. I have a predilection for prophecy and I have a predilection for sorrow. But maybe I best leave the night terrors to thrive and then speak of them at dawn. And maybe I'll just be thankful that despite it all, my fingernails will always grow back. Next poem is called Cocoon. You'll do it after I read, sorry. <laughs> yeah, after I read the poem, then the person can come up and remove the strap. Sorry, <laughs> should have specified that. Okay. All right. It's only the poems I recite. The ones that I read don't have a someone coming up. <laughs> okay, understand now. Cocoon. Hello, Cocoon. What makes you so safe? Claustrophobia, self-imposed fears to pain the soul into comfort. Metamorphosis, beyond, creation beyond the reach of others' eyes, tattooing mind to wings like smiles and kisses. Piano keys are black and white. NyQuil stains the tongue with red satin. Cocoons are white and black. A door blocks my arms. I've never felt more like a crying infant, a puppet child like Pinocchio. To knock, to pound, all would produce no sound. Cut out the faces of all the children in the family photos and replace them with my face, a grown fool, bearing success where you have failed and failure where you have raised success. Chrysalis, a cocoon, a mass of silky strings, a puppet, a tomb. I still love butterflies, though, even when they run away. Okay, next one I'm going to read. It's called Embrace and Confrontation. It deals with my desire to kill myself six years ago. He cries under the embrace of night, but he must stifle the tears or his mother will awaken with terror-stricken imaginings that he has slit his wrists, leaving a trail of blood from the kitchen to his locked bedroom door with the knives she should have locked away. Or with pills he has made his stomach into a Kevorkian pharmacy, having taken a genocidal amount pills she should have taken away. Or he has hung himself from the chandelier, tears gasping for air, tears that would not be flowing if she had hung on his every breath like she did when he was her firstborn. All smiles, baby dark hair and pudgy cheeks, wearing his father's baby clothes. He does not want to subject his mother's mind to these horrors, but the tears are running too hot. They are burning through his pillow. Better to escape to the open night, to the rooftop, where the sound will be muffled by silence. The climb is simple. Each step on the sandpaper tile is cold, but easy. Too easy. The edge. A simple waltz to the sound of a frog symphony. The ground, a simple flight at breakneck speed to enter an eternal trance with the stillness of the open sky. The last his eyes would ever see, but not tonight. Not any night for me. He descends safely to the ground and begins to trod the gravel driveway. 
It resembles the timeline of his past eight years. The potholes are like the depression of craters, the evidence of fiery meteor strikes. He, like the stagnant water that fills these holes after the nightly rain. Rain and tears. The gravel cuts into his hands. His blood flows to muddy the waters. The leaves have all left the fall till spring. The grass is as frozen as the stagnant pond, as frozen as his fears. The snow will fall in the coming months, white and searing, glaring in his eyes, burning in the memories of when his life would rise and breathe in a gasp of joy. When he would make angels in the snow, instead of wishing the snow would flood the earth, hiding the night sky from view, leaving no birds a place to perch and sing of hope, where he can forget of the existence of rainbows and slowly suffocate under his blankets. The summer can come when he no longer has any tears to shed, when his mother can sleep again with the memories of when her son could laugh. But he is a fool. And he has been proven a false martyr by me. And I say, let us soar with the turbulence. Let us reap the rewards of fleeting time. Let us gaze upon the majesty of stars. Let us run like wolves with the coming dawn. Let us wave like grain to the passing sun till the noose around our necks is faded hung and the ultimately purposeless death to end a purposeful life fills our coffins, graves, and crypts. And our memory demands us a crown and angels' wings. And oh, now the serenity. We can be the imprints in the snow of memory. And the birds now can grace us with the symphony. This next one I'm going to recite is called For R, and it's a reaction to the suicide attempt of a coworker. For R. The rain descends harder this day. Your attempted death falls heavy on the thoughts of clouds. The hidden tears fall, dying like thunderstruck trees, like sleeping repeatedly on burning coals, days and days till eternity come. Slip, sleep. Attempt to have a nest into the space between raindrops, a salvation like the rings of Saturn or Jupiter. Life is like the innocence of the Virgin Mary, and we are the defilers spilling hope like a tear-soaked wedding gown. Behold how Rose has bloomed, yet all she sees is bud and thorns mirrored through. Such tragic self-deception it is true when Rose cannot see how bud has bloomed. Why is your breast's desire juxtaposed through with welcome death, Dorian's gray and stately painted bed? This is why candle wax is melted from the eyes, for thy fire cries, slowly suffocates and dies. At the end of your rope, thy tears of wax are hot and linger on the face, as solid as a temple mound, yet more invisible than sound. We see rain, yet forget you are crying. We hear the sounds of suffering, yet forget to show the empathy of clouds. God damn it, please wake up. The rain has stopped. Breathe. Breathe, please, breathe, speak. Let this mortal world feel your wounds, for yesterday is to die, but tomorrow let joy abound through connected sorrow. And if number three could come up. Thank you.
Next one I'm going to read, um, I wrote during National Poetry Month this last year, so April, um, over two days, so it's kind of cheating, but whatever. Um, and an interesting thing or silly thing that I did is I finished the poem, didn't know if I wanted to keep it, so I taped it outside and waited overnight and went out to see if it was still there, and it was. So I have to keep it. So small title is called Love Left Overnight. I've loved once, lips then parted like multitudes of words through blessed seas, accepted kiss. A finger then hushes the lips, but not the eyes. Your face is like my memory of you, beautiful and yet far away. Flicker. A fade like candlelight keeps my spark alive. I'm sorry I have not had the strength enough to dream of unlit candles, melted wax, and waning shadows. The fire reflects your face in my glasses, like the lenses held the universe, and you were the brightest star of the brightest constellation, embracing infinity in my resting eyes. Seductive touch like gravity's embrace keeps me in revolving silence, and yet at fathom's length. A faint ring, not even there, hair, the flame, the depth of fire. Blue. My eyes are blue. Let me hold a moment longer. Hold on to this waking July before the August fall. Wax melts like raindrops. Please, let the clouds never dry their tears. If you haven't gotten it already, there's going to be a lot of candles, fire, tears, clouds, and butterflies in everything that I do tonight. The next one's called Love Poem. I'm going to recite it. Love Poem. A butterfly straying too close to the flame. I wonder why it is out so late at night. It's too dark to behold its beautiful array of colors. We often see ourselves in the simplest of creatures, yet see ourselves to be the observers of and for a greater design. I see a butterfly straying too close to the flame in my visions at night, attracted to the warmth, no doubt, for all the flowers have burned away. I imagine it is aware of the danger with which it is flirting and its fluttering before the flame. Its shadows do the same, wafting lifelike on a lighted breeze, yet there is little wonder which feels most the blaze. Shadows never feel past the point they leave the aboriginal. And while I ponder the magnified, I notice that the butterfly is flapping closer to the fire with each pass. I attempt to warn of the foolishness endemic of flirtation with death. But my tongue was not present to speak of real courage, nor my hands to cup its delicate form. We often wish to remind ourselves of what exists in the shadows, yet forget to speak by firelight, our words just tossed into a flowery pond with white petals floating on the surface amongst the lily pads. I am frozen in narration. I cannot impede the flight of the butterfly. I am hypnotized by the spirals. Closer, closer. The butterfly is flying closer to the flame. With each pass, my absent tongue feels the pressure of my teeth upon its flesh. I do not bite my tongue to keep my words to drowning. I wish to speak of danger, yet all I can do is bite my tongue. 
reminding the mind of pain. Yet all for naught, the butterfly passes finally too close to the flame and bursts into a glow of eyes and wings. The colors radiate more beautifully than in life before all is left to ashes in the wind and I am left to ask, who set this flame? Who is to blame? Who caused this flame to burn? Number four could come up. This next one I'm going to read on the computer is about a childhood friend who died of a brain tumor around age 11, I think. Um, Huh? Eight. Okay. Um, It's called Beanie Babies for Kendra. An empty chair, a desk under my fingertips, Beanie Babies hanging from her open door. A child, barely 13, sees open windows and an open house with an open yard behind, colliding with children's laughter. Creek and fort, fallen trees and park swings, her blonde hair, her kind eyes. Her brother is not an only child. He is grown up. I hardly recognize the face he carries now. Yet, too, I hardly recognize my own pictures that were but reflections in a mirror. Cats sleep in my bed before they die. Allergies denying their embrace in life. All black and white, tiger shark stripes and calico shadows now. Death taught by shovel and cardboard box seen from parents' window, which a light at night is a mirror. A car backed over my cat after running it over. It doesn't make sense. I didn't see it happen. But I did see blood and crest skull pieces where fabric and beads were supposed to be. Some things cannot be sewn back together, but even when they can, some brain tumors cannot be removed. An empty chair, a desk under my fingertips, there is music in the wood. I am left sitting with more ink than time and more thoughts than emotions to pin them to. She was a child's friend, my friend. Now what am I left with? Cancer is not like a car. It's more personal than that. This next one I'm going to recite is called Remember What Candles Speak Into the Night. Why are candles lit in memory of the dead? It may seem a fitting monument and metaphor to life, for time like string is burned as the years melt away in milky sweat and tears to solidify again at the base in a beautiful mess of experiences until the flickering flame is extinguished with the purpose of fingers or the natural process of spent years. What can be lit in monument to the spent candle's memory? A candle is as fleeting as the dark vigil it is meant to illuminate. It will be gone with the light of the morning. But memory is as indelible as a star on the night sky. The light travels years before it is lost. And even then, memory is only lost because it is forgotten. An unforgotten memory will outlive a star. So let us light candles as witnesses to death. But we should remember in kind to light our minds so that memory will outlive the fleeting monuments. And we will not forget what candles speak into the night.
you. This next one I'm going to read from the computer is called Fangs of the Moon. There is a prisoner here. He is gripping a boy. The boy is far down the line, the line I am processing for the experiment with Cyclone B. We have too many mongrels not pulling their weight. We will create a perfect state. The prisoner and the boy slowly make their way to the front. The pendulum of the sun swings slowly. I do not envy those that will be cleaning the showers for tomorrow. I have never seen the moon swing across the darkened sky. The prisoner and the boy tighten their grip on each other as they near the front. The boy begins to cry. I come to the boy's name. He is last in the line of useless mouths. The prisoner protests and lunges like a disobedient dog. I push, put him to the ground with the back of my hand. The boy is yelling, Tate! 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 Something I do not understand. The boy reminds me of my son when I left for war. I push the boy in quickly and shut the door. I look back. The father is frozen on the ground, like those in the pits behind the building. My son's tear-streaked face comes again to my mind. Those of us in the Wehrmacht come together and recite, Ein Volk, Ein Reich, Ein Führer, Heil Hitler. We all disperse. I turn away. Tears fall from my eyes with a capacity I did not know I held, and a dread I could not bear. The son's face I cannot get out of my mind, the son of the father frozen on the ground. I am the moon when it first realized it has fangs. The sun has set like a furnace. I am standing over one of the pits. Tears continue to fall. The swastika begins to erode into my skin, burning like the howl of frostbite in the east. I must loose the beast inside so that I once again can be human. I reach for my ceremonial sword. It is loosened from its scabbard like a snake shedding its skin. I place the point at my breast and fall. Now know that he was found, frozen on the ground tempting the pit to swallow him whole. The other survived his son, and the son of the soldier survived his father. And here the story ends. The next three are all memorized. So six, seven, and eight. Be ready. This next one's called A Day. I shall make for myself a day where all is brought to light, where candles only flicker, a day when love makes sense and roses will bloom in the heart of the desert, a day where I can atone for nothing and spend my dreams in the waking hours, where justice is a matter for the past and the present lives forevermore on the past, on the back of time's eternal morn, a day when I will mourn to mourn and sleep to sleep and through it all weep to weep when precious few surrender all and even fewer live to fall a day yet still a day where I can be more than just alive a day where I can be more than just alive a day when dream catchers will dream their own dreams a day where sunlight can be named and moonlight can be tamed a day when God will breathe apologies into my pulsillanimous lungs, and I will exhale deiform soliloquies in all humility and tongues, a day where when is hope, a day when where is not a question, but a practice form of action.
number six. Thank you. The next one is called Eye to Eye. This dead thing, wings translucent, patterned after itself, as unique a thing as anything, like a perfect sentence, complete with dotted eyes, curdled like milk, with curled up legs and spindly ankles. Whole body dead, wind tossed like a child's sailboat in a hurricane. This is the eye? Eye, tranquil, still, yet still creeping back. One moment it's flying like leaves, leaves like happy memories fluttering by, but then it hits the ground like a caterpillar falling from the sky, like memories still fuzzy, like a dusty bear in a closet with an eye pulled out. I am hanging by a thread. Can it still see as it did, all salty, fucked, and forgotten? Can it still soak up the tears, yet never need ringing out like crying voices on the wind? All our eyes are like wings, such fragile things. Too hot they melt and churn, too cold they freeze and burn, but in the in-between they are like honey, frankincense, and myrrh, sweet to taste. As fragrant as an afternoon amid a field of sun-soaked tulips. Eyes kiss, made for lovers swoon, till all is like this butterfly when it set out to fly for the final time, to then to be like eyelids closed too soon. Thank you all for coming. We have two more poems here. This next one is recite. It's called Delilah's Shears Bring the Fear of Change. And I'll explain it at the end. Another will wear my crown. I see fireflies flickering about like a halo encircling my head. Yet unlike a halo, they do not gleam of gold. Instead, they gleam as shears. They are cutting through my hair. Bits and strands fall to the floor like copper coins, two copper coins, defining all I have to give following the destruction of the temple. But is it truly all I have to give? I've reached a fork. The right path will take away the stagnation of this current stage that yet is still more comfortable than my head being laid bare to the open sky. My strength has not dissipated, I am yet I am still confused as to which path to take, faithful stagnation or frightful change. I am afraid that Delilah is deceptive and Samson is a fool, both in the same mind. I am in an unfamiliar room. A lull falls over the room. The artificial lights and lingering air give off this feeling of fresh blood. I guess change just feels more and more like I am giving up the life I have, a sort of progressive suicide, whereas stagnation reeks of certainty.
That last one, Delilah Shears bringing the fear of change, started from me cutting my hair and donating it for uh, Locks for Love. Um, my hair used to be really long, so it worked. Um, but it turned into a reaction to my recent decision to move to Seattle this year. Um, still don't feel great about it because I don't like change. And that's essentially what that was saying, yet I felt more stagnant than I could allow. I don't know when it is yet, but it will be this year. And the final poem, um, I wanted to present a picture of happiness and this is a poem I wrote about my brother's wedding the time they first saw each other that morning. It's called Pigeon Feathers. He sees her for the first time this morning dressed like a child's first snowfall. Around a corner they meet. He as big as a single silver tear in the eye. She as big as the bride on a wedding cake. It couldn't be more perfect if the trees spontaneously molted white rose petals that taste like sugar crystals and float like pigeon feathers, obstructing the view from afar. It's not raining. Actually, it's quite hot. Yet actually, it is raining, the mist staining cheeks with salt. Hands reach around the waist, hearts embrace in flashes of paint to remember this day after each subsequent day of hands interlocking fingers like gears in a grandfather clock. Each tick like the tap dancing of rocks on a bedroom window, each talk counting out the candlelit dancing in the kitchen after the power has been shut off. Your first apartment is up two flights of stairs while your back take dancing across the threshold. Hopefully your houses will be big enough to dance around cradles and curfews, and hopefully you will be able to spend your twilight in a retirement home where you can dance out the door together. Thank you. Um, I have books in the back. They are between the prices of nothing and free if you need to. So uh, just come back and talk if you want. Do you want to pick the winner, Rebel? That was Poetry Night, everyone. Yay! Rebel Waste was our feature. Ah, uh, so let's give him a hand again and again and again. Let's give back to what we're doing here. And that, by the way, is poetry. Poetry, poetry. That's poetry. That's poetry. Poetry and... Poetry and... Poetry and fake goods. Fake goods. Fake goods. Fake goods. Value in just two bites. In just two bites. Poetry.